This is episode number 213 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr, nutritional therapy practitioner and certified personal trainer. I'm so excited for our guest. This is like one of my dream guests. Um, she talks about a topic that so we get so many questions about. The pill, hormones, how to normalize hormones, how to get your period. Um, and so we have gotten a ton of questions that we are going to try to dive right into today. Before I do, I'd love to mention two, quickly our two sponsors. The first is the NTA, the Nutritional Therapy Association. Many of you heard in the very beginning that I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And my certification came from the Nutritional Therapy Association. They are launching their courses for uh, May 2019. They're registering people right now. So if this is something that you have been thinking about and you are interested in learning about nutrition from a holistic perspective and getting a lot of foundational education, you're going to get an amazing education from the NTA. It can be completed online with the NTC program, or you can do it a little bit more of an, a comprehensive program with the NTP program, which is Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program, where you actually meet in person and do workshops. They are signing people. They do um, sessions cyclically. So the May 2019 session is is currently uh, open for registration, and you can sign up for that. So this is a great time to start researching, figuring out if this is something that you may want to do this year. And they have so much information on their website about both courses. I highly recommend going and signing up for their mini course. It's totally free. You can find it just at their website, nutritionaltherapy.com. You're going to get a free little education there, but you're also going to get some really great information about the programs. Um, and if you, when you do, if you do decide to register, if you're still a little hung up on it, feel free to DM me on Instagram or just message the podcast email. I'll do my best to help because I think it's a really big decision and it's an important one. But once you do sign up, if you do choose to, make sure you put well-fed women in the referral section on your application and we will send you a free copy of Coconuts and Kettlebells, a free signed copy. So nutritionaltherapy.com. The second is Thrive Market. If you have not signed up for this yet, this is an awesome opportunity. Thrivemarket.com slash well-fed women. You get an additional 25% off your first order. This has been huge for me, and this has been huge for me throughout my kids, throughout my pregnancies, throughout now my husband's new uh, Hashimoto's diagnosis, which I'm sure we'll be talking about more in the future. Um, but it's it's been an amazing resource for me to be able to buy affordable uh, products, things that are maybe a little bit more expensive at Whole Foods, but I'm able to get them much cheaper with Thrive Market. And it's even where I'm buying now newborn diapers and diapers for my my toddler. So we are doing a lot. We're getting, I would say we're getting a lot of savings um, with Thrive Market. They have their own Thrive Market brand. And that's where I'm now doing a lot of my shopping because it is 
and amazing high quality products and foods and things like coconut oil and, you know, eco-friendly diapers. And I can get all that stuff in one place and for a much um, for a much better deal and at a discount, which is really important when you're managing all the things in life. So thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Jolene Brighton on. Dr. Jolene Brighton is a functional naturopathic medical doctor and nutritional biochemist with a focus in women's endocrine health. She is recognized as a leading expert in post-birth control syndrome and the long-term side effects associated with hormonal contraceptives. Dr. Brighton is the author of Beyond the Pill, a 30-day plan to support women on birth control, help them transition off, and eliminate symptoms of post-birth control syndrome, which we will be talking a lot about today. She's a speaker, women's health advocate, and a medical advisor for one of the first data-driven apps to offer women personalized birth control recommendations. Welcome, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Hey there. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. This is such an important topic, and it's one that is not talked about a lot, um, which is <laughs> in-depth about the pill and post, and I, I don't even think people know there's such a thing, um, post-birth control syndrome. And first of all, before we jump into all of our, our amazing questions, I want to know what got you so passionate about the pill and what I would consider to be something that's largely misunderstood and not addressed and not talked about, which is post-birth control syndrome. Totally. Um, I do want to also shout out that NTA had me on and totally supported me. So if you guys are thinking about doing the NTA training, they do bring in the best of the best. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, but they are really awesome. And I think they, they, you, the people that graduate are really high caliber. My background uh, is actually in nutritional biochemistry. So I am a bit of authority on nutrition. <laughs> so, um, you know, when it came to hormonal birth control, you know, the really funny thing is, is that when I started my private practice, I, I was like, I'm done. I don't want to prescribe hormonal birth control. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. Because I had uh, spent two years clinical rotation in a homeless youth clinic. And this is why whenever people are like, oh, Dr. Brayton, you hate birth control. I'm like, okay, hold up. I am a 10-year pill user who is a first-generation college student that became a doctor, and it was absolutely a tool I used. And I can recognize how it is such an important tool for women to have access with. But I also spent two years working in a homeless youth clinic, which these are women who are at really high risk for sexual assault. It's a high-risk population. They don't have doors to close at night. And getting pregnant while living on the streets, like that can be a very dangerous situation for a woman. So I 100% uh, believe women should have access to hormonal birth control and along with that, all the information that they need to make the best decision for themselves and to monitor those symptoms. So I spent two years doing a lot of depot shots, um, passing out pill packs and, uh, as I was doing that rotation, I also was in conventional medical doctor practices. And what I found is that when we were in the clinic, which was state funded, um, we had to tell them everything like depot shot mm, couldn't go more than two years. Otherwise, you start losing your bone health and, um, you know, giving them the full rundown of side effects. Yet in the general medical practitioner's office, it was, oh, are you going to college? Here's your pill prescription. See you later. And there was very little discussion around this. Now, 
passing out the pill and all these other hormones, you know, for birth control, it really wasn't what I wanted to do. In terms of my clinical practice, I'm like, I want to do root cause women's medicine. And um, the ironic thing was, is that when I started my clinical practice, women started coming to me and I got the reputation as the doctor who believed women's birth control stories. And women would call my office and say, I want to schedule an appointment. Is it right that Dr. Brighton believes women's stories about birth control and birth control side effects? And I'm like, why are people even asking this? Like, why wouldn't you believe women's stories? And so I got that reputation and women started coming to me, you know, they got the IUD place. Now they were having anxiety or mood swings. Um, you know, they started the pill. Now they had digestive symptoms or their hair was falling out. And as I really, so my background is in my first degree is in chemistry, next degree in nutritional biochemistry to say I'm a nerd is an understatement. And having had a background in research, I just started to document things. And I love, I love patterns. I love, I mean, I am, my favorite thing to do is solve puzzles of like people's health and put all the pieces together so that they can get a clear picture of what is happening. And so I came to recognize that the majority, if not all of women struggle when they come off of hormonal birth control. Now, when I broke up with the pill, because I was in I mean, the first time it really clicked of how a menstrual cycle worked was my first year of medical school. And I'm like, what? this is not the way that any of this should work. Like you should know the day your period comes, what is going on in your body, which is what I set out to do in Beyond the Pill. A lot of people are like, this is a book about birth control. And it's like, well, I'm covering a lot about birth control, but I'm also giving you options beyond birth control to heal your hormones. And to do that, you have to understand how they work and what's going on in your body. Someone just called um, Beyond the Pill the Lady Bible, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I love she's that. like, this is the Lady Bible, and everybody should have this. And she sent me this message. I was like, oh, my God, that's so cute. Um, <laughs> so, you know, with that, um, I just came to start documenting things. Um, I developed post-birth control syndrome myself. At the time, my doctor had me convinced that I was a freak and the only person who ever had experiences, you know, in the history of women um, but when I got into the research, I came to find that a lot of women struggle with post-pill amenorrhea, losing their period when they come off of birth control, that we don't just get pregnant as easily as we've been told by our doctors, and that post-pill acne, post-pill hair loss, like all of these things are documented in the research. And um, so I started documenting all of this in my clinical practice and Thank goodness for my patients because, you know, because of them, they taught me so much. And together we were able to develop protocols, which you will now find in Beyond the Pill, to help reverse post-birth control syndrome. And for my women who needed to stay on birth control, I developed protocols of how they could stay safe on it and things that they need to do to care for their health. And so I just have to honor my patients because, you know, so much of what you'll read in Beyond the Pill, I mean, it is loaded with research studies, but it is born out of my clinical practice. And, you know, the the term post-birth control syndrome, I developed that because birth control, you know, these side effects that come up when you stop, it, you know, it's a syndrome. It's a collection of signs and symptoms that are associated with discontinuing hormonal birth control. And it's really my hope that in the next 20 years, that that is now an, an antiquated term, that in 20 years times, we, we do more research, we define it better. And we say, 
you know, just like adrenal fatigue, you know, that thing that was called adrenal fatigue, but now it's HPA dysregulation. I'm hoping we see that with post birth control syndrome, where it's like, okay, post birth control syndrome, we had to develop this common language to start talking about it. But you know, it's, it's actually more specifically, this is what's going on. So that's how I got uh, into this. And um, how I got into doing the work that I'm doing. And it's, um, I'm very, very passionate in terms of, you know, almost 60% of women, I mean, some surveys say it's as high as 65% of women are using hormonal birth control primarily for symptom management and these symptoms that have a root cause. And it is 100% your right to use that drug to suppress your symptoms. Should you choose to go that route, that is totally your right to do. However, when doctors pass you the pill with little discussion of anything else going on in your body, they are doing you a big disservice because not only is this a band-aid solution to a more complex problem, is that women aren't often told what is the root cause and it delays diagnosis. I mean, women with endometriosis, PCOS, hypothyroidism, I mean, you know how many of my patients with autoimmune disease have used hormonal birth control? That's why there's a whole section about autoimmune disease and Hashimoto's in particular in Beyond the Pill. It's the number one autoimmune condition that women get. I personally have Hashimoto's. So when you're like, my husband has uh, new Hashimoto's, I'm like, he's part of the Hashis clan now. <laughs> so is. many of us do. Um, yeah. So it's just something where I believe very much in a woman's right to choose what is best for her body. But the only way she can do that is if she's provided all the information that she needs. Hormonal birth control works for some women. It doesn't work for other women. And they need to know that they're not alone in that. Why is it that, and from your, you know, your personal opinion, why is it that it is so often prescribed as just a, a basic solution, but when it is prescribed, nobody's talking about the symptoms or the side effects. Like there's none of that discussion. And if you question it, bring it up, which has happened to me years and years and years ago, 10 years, you know, 10 plus years ago. If you say, you know, well, what uh, are there non-hormonal birth control options or what else can I do? It's sort of like, what's wrong with this? You know, like, well, well, why don't why don't you want to take this? Well, we'll just keep looking. We'll just keep trying new birth control options until, you know, hormonal birth control options until you find the one that works for you. Like, why is that? Why? Why has it become that? Well, you know, one thing is it's an upstream issue in terms of medical school education. I mean, if all you're ever taught is that, you know, a woman's in your practice, you, she's got, a, I call it the pill for every female ill. Like she, t- she reports a period problem. You just give her the pill. Like that's reflexive and uh, reflective, reflexive. No, I had it right the first time. Um, but with that, you know, it's a lot to do with medical school education. This is their toolbox. This is all that exists in their toolbox. And you know, these medical doctors are very, very good at acute care. They're trained so well in that. But, you know, the analogy I like to use for women is that, like, look, if you go to the sandwich shop and you keep asking for ice cream, you both are going to get really frustrated there because they don't make ice cream. They make sandwiches, but you need ice cream. Like you're having, you need, you're jonesing for some ice cream there. And that's much like going to a conventional medical practice and asking for roots, root cause solutions for somebody to spend an hour with you, unearthing the root cause, going through your timeline, understanding you as a complete person. And then, you know, experimenting with you of like on that individual level, what, what else can we do? 
you know, doctors, I'm really an anomaly when it comes to doctors, even naturopathic physicians, because I started this in, well, one, in chemistry, then in nutritional biochemistry, where I was also studying alongside, um, you know, the clinical application track to become a registered dietitian. So in my world, food has always been a foundation, like 100% a foundation of health. And so with that, you know, if you see a conventional medical doctor, maybe they've had a quarter of nutrition. A lot of them still subscribe to the idea that food doesn't do anything. Um, I don't know how it's like the ostrich effect. Like you're just sticking your head in the sand at that point, because like, how can you not see the decline of the U S population's health, given the food choices? Uh, It just, it's baffling to me, but you know, there's just a lot of dogma in women's medicine. Like, and it's just, it's stories, right? It's just these stories of like, being a woman means you're inherently broken, you can't heal your hormones, you have to use a pharmaceutical. And some doctors are even taught and believe that hormonal birth control will fix your periods and will fix your hormones. It's like, well, how can it do that? The way it works is by shutting down your reproductive system. Like, how can you shut down an entire system in your body and say it's fixed? It's not working anymore. It's inoperable. That's like your car needs to be tuned up and instead you just pull out the battery and leave it to sit and say, I fixed my car. Like this makes no sense whatsoever. So there's a bit of that. There's also the questioning birth control has been very taboo. I mean, when I started talking about this years ago, I mean, it's funny because people are like, I'm just now hearing about this. Like you just started talking about this. I'm like, oh no, I've been talking about this for a long time. Nobody's paying attention to me then. Um, and the people that were, were saying I was anti-feminism, anti-women, I, trying to hurt women. It's not about that. What hurts women is us not being able to have the real talks about what is going on and question everything and what is right for us and what is true for us. Like, And there is so much dogma around this and stigma in which doctors won't necessarily want to enter into that discussion and and to question it because that's like questioning a woman's right. It's not that black and white and it doesn't have to be. Like we can have these open dialogues. I mean, that's how we move things forward. Now, the last point I would make is that, you know, there's also this issue that by the time a research study comes out, it's like 15 plus years before it actually makes its way into clinical practice. That is, If your doctor actually reads it or your doctor actually attends a continuing medical education class that speaks to it. Otherwise, you know, a research study could come out and we won't see it. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, if I had that much time to wait, I won't even be having periods anymore, which is why I wrote Beyond the Pill. I mean, people are like, why didn't you go start doing studies and research on this? I'm like, because we need to change women's medicine. And there are women that are hurting right now. Like the best and fastest way that we change women's medicine for the better is to put the medicine in their hands and let women start making informed decision, be more educated and empowered when they walk into that doctor's office, they can advocate for themselves and they can heal themselves and prove to the world that being a woman isn't inherently awful. Um, and the ironic thing around all of this is you and I were chatting about before we even started recording is that there's a full on major media blackout around this right now. Like here we are, it's 2019 and major media is like, yeah, we don't want to talk about periods and no, we don't want to question birth control. And like, okay, look, I get it. It's a business decision. If the pharmaceutical industry is the major advertising funds coming to your TV network, then like you don't really want to like put a book on that might undercut all of that relationship. Totally get it. Except 
this book is not anti-birth control and it's not anti-pharma by any means. And in fact, I'm like, you know, it would actually behoove you to, you know, get this book out there because I'm supporting women if they are on birth control so that they can have less side effects. That means less complaints and less hating on you and happier customers. But whatever, like, <laughs> I, it's like, and it is, I think a lot of it too is that women's health issues are never really a priority. I was stalking, I was telling you before we started recording, well, I've been stalking you in preparation for this, this interview. And it, when you said you were experiencing a media blackout, I was not even the least bit surprised. And I know that that may be, you know, the cynical side of me, but it uh, it just, it's not surprising. It's not surprising that people don't want to talk about this and that they're scared to bring up potential problems with the pill or just bringing general recognition to problems with prescription medications and solutions on how to get off of them. And it's I think it's really unfortunate. And, you know, that's why I'm excited that you're here and we can talk about it through this media channel, <laughs> through podcasts and stuff like that, where we're not funded by people who are going to control what we get to say and how we say it and our opinions. And so you can talk freely. And I hate that that's happening for you, but hopefully that allows, you know, all of the people in our community who are, you know, if you're listening to this, it's really important to support people like Dr. Brighton, who are empowering women to, I love the idea of just in general, with all medical things, um, informed consent. You know, mm -hmm. those people who are supporting informed consent and are trying to kind of take that power back and and are allowing us to question and to get all of the information without being shamed or talked down to or f made to, out to feel like we should we should be scared of asking mm -hmm. questions because I've had so many of those situations happen to me in these general practice settings um, where, you know, I do question things or I come to somebody and I say, you know, can we get some tests done? And, and then they say, well, why? You know, and it's kind of like I'm looked down on instead of saying, well, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to work with you on that. Like, how can I help you? And so it's, it's been a very intimidating thing, I think, for women to try to take back the power on their health, which then leaves them just searching things on Google and trying to figure out things for themselves and sometimes getting answers and sometimes not. And so if we can demand informed consent and demand that we are, um, you know, that it's not it, we're not shamed for asking questions and for uh, digging deeper into some of mm -hmm. these topics, especially when it involves our health. Like you said, believing that we actually are having symptoms like, you know, you come in and you say, I'm struggling with all these symptoms, which is what I had when I was on birth control. I was like, this sucks. Like, this is terrible. And it was like, well, we mm -hmm. just got to find another pill, you know, and it it just kind of felt like it was glossed over. And so I feel like you know, the work that you're doing on and on a, even a bigger scale is 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 actually recognizing and understanding when women are suffering and providing alternatives, even if that doesn't mean <laughs> writing a prescription. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head of like, 
so much of women's medicine is fear-based. Like we are like shamed and, and like given the fear of God that like, we're going to get pregnant any day of the month. Like I certainly subscribe to that for a while. And then I'm like, wait, hold up. I have a 24 hour window of like getting pregnant. Like, wait, <laughs> like what's going on here? Um, you know, and that's what like made me go off. I, you know, I was in, um, medical school and I was like, you know what, I'm not even sexually active right now. And I don't want to be on this thing anymore. Like, and I, I came off, but you know, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, really what I aim to do in Beyond the Pill is dispel a lot of that fear. Like, you shouldn't have to be, you know, bullied and, and you know, have been really, you know, making these decisions based on fear. I mean, there are uh, people that, you know, women who say, like, I went to my doctor, I asked about alternatives to birth control, I asked about doing fertility awareness method, and they made fun of me, and they laughed at me and said, I'll see you back when you're pregnant. And it's like, okay, like, you don't get to talk to someone like that, all right? Especially as a professional, that's not okay. But, you know, the other piece is that we are, we're afraid to come off of birth control because things can go south really fast. Like I, I developed cystic acne for the first time in my life and lost my period. And then my doctor told me, oh, well, you probably are misremembering that you had a regular period and you probably had PCOS all along. And I'm like, no, no one in my family has PCOS whatsoever. I had eight days of bleeding, writhing in pain. I counted down on my calendar like doomsday was coming every month. I know my periods were regular, but he told me that I didn't know my body and that I was probably just misremembering things. And I'm like, okay, that real talk, that can happen sometimes. But to tell a woman she doesn't know her body and then dismiss her and say, well, this has just been a problem all along, like whatever, and not to investigate that. Yeah, and I want to be clear, too, that not every doctor is this way, right? There are so many thoughtful, <laughs> there are many thoughtful and um, personable and great, you know, whether that's a medical doctor or a nurse practitioner or a functional medicine practitioner, there are so many medical professionals out there who are willing to work with you and not make you feel sh shame or fear about your decisions and are, you know, there's a lot of great people out there. And so this is just some some of people's experiences, which, you know, have included mine and yours. But um I just want to make sure that that's clear too. Like we're not saying the medical system is completely this way. Um, that there there are a lot of great people too um, in the medical there system. There absolutely are. I mean, and, and that's something. I, again, people really love everything to be black and white, and I just make it all sloppy and messy, like life is. And I'm like, it's not. So people will be like, Doctor Brighton's anti pharma, and I'm. I mean, you you were stalking me, so you know what my kid is going through right, right now. He right. has pandas. He has an autoimmune condition affecting his brain, and I have gotten on. You know, I've been on lives and people are like, yeah, down with pharma and like never use drugs. And I'm like, no, I would be a hypocrite. My son just finished up a round of antibiotics and prednisone and he like we lost him. Like, I'm so grateful that we had those drugs and we could get him back. Like there's a time and a place. And then, you know, people on the flip side will be like, yeah, I hate medical doctors and like they're the worst. And I'm like, well, some of my best friends are medical doctors, so I can't get down with that. And also like medical doctors, they're really, really smart people. They're doing the best they can in healthcare, but we also have to recognize that like there is a pool with hospital administration, there's a pool with insurance companies, there's a pool with the pharmaceutical industry. Like there's like nobody gives up a decade of their life to serve people if they didn't have that really in their heart to want to serve people. Like there are other jobs and careers out there that are a heck of a lot easier than being a medical practitioner. And so I don't get down with 
Um, I don't get down with shaming anybody. Like your doctor like is doing the best that they can with the tools that they have right now. And again, it's the sandwich shop versus the ice cream shop. If you want ice cream, go to the ice cream practitioner. And at this juncture of where we are at in terms of medicine, we just know way too much for you to have one healthcare provider you rely on. Like, I, you know, I have a gynecologist, I have a massage therapist, I have a chiropractor. I like, I, you know, I personally have a team and I encourage all of my patients to have a healthcare team because everybody brings something to the table to support you. I mean, once upon a time, we had very limited understanding of the human body. I, you know, I could argue we still have a very limited understanding, but you know, now we know so much. And like in my clinical practice, if you come and you work with me, you're also going to work with a coach and a nutritionist because I observed long ago that like I couldn't be everything to everyone and people were most successful when they had that team supporting them. I want to jump into some of these questions because where it's going to yeah. allow us to really navigate a lot of these issues that you have uh, lightly touched down. First and foremost, this is a really big one. Should you be taking the pill to fight hormonal imbalances? Yeah, well, okay, so here's the thing. If you understand hormone, how hormonal birth control works, and I think like, I, I'm sure, I, I know women like to use the should, and uh, let's not all get shoulded on right now. <laughs> so um, again, this is very individualized, but what I will say is that if you understand that hormonal birth control was designed for you spacing out pregnancies or not getting pregnant. And it works by shutting down how your brain and your ovaries are communicating. And so if it shuts down that whole mechanism, then we're, it's not going to be fixing your hormones. Now, the other thing, and you're going to read a lot about this and beyond the pill is that your ovaries, your adrenals, and your thyroid are very intimately tied together. And so if you shut down the ovaries, that's going to have an impact on the adrenal and the thyroid. And here's the real talk is that sex hormones, when they're out of balance, we all take notice. But the reality most of the time is, is that you need to go work on your gut, your adrenals, your thyroid, your liver. And the way I describe it is that it, it, your adrenal glands are really the foundation of your hormonal health. And then above that is the thyroid. And if we think of it like a pyramid, then your sex hormones would be at the very tippy top. And so if your foundation's not right, then you're going to have issues with your sex hormones. And my concern with using hormonal birth control to mask hormones is that you're covering up something else that could be going on. So let's say you're using it because of acne. Did anybody check if you have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome? I talk about this in the metabolic chapter of my book because women, you know, it's it's over 10% of women are given the pill for acne. Now, acne may be that you have excess testosterone, gut imbalance, like there's a reason why, or it might be that you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which often what gets women's attention and doctors' attention is the hormones, though the sex hormones. We have irregular periods, we have excess androgens, we have, you know, hair on our chin, and, uh, you know, we're having acne. And so they'll be past the pill. But nobody's really discussing with them. Um, the root cause of PCOS is actually insulin resistance and inflammation. We're talking about two things that fast track you towards chronic disease. And so now your period looks regular to your doctor, I'm doing air quotes, and at the same time, oh, you're, you're not complaining about those hormone symptoms anymore. So we fixed that, except that this complex 
metabolic disorder that can result in heart disease and diabetes is left unchecked, unmonitored, and it, it just progresses. Then a woman comes off of birth control wanting to get pregnant only to find out that she has a condition that fosters infertility. Like this is very concerning. So, you know, when it comes, and you'll read this in Beyond the Pill, and I actually have an entire chapter dedicated to just troubleshooting your period problems and being like, if you have heavy periods, this is what it might mean. This is what your doctor should investigate. And this is what you should do right now so that you can start healing your body and working with it naturally. Now, if you want to use hormonal birth control because you're like, like there's women who are like, I'm getting married. I cannot deal with this acne. Then recognize that there's going to be things you need to do to keep your body safe on that. It depletes nutrients like crazy. So at minimum, you're going to need a prenatal or a multivitamin with that. So it's these considerations. It's not my preference to treat a woman's hormone imbalance using a medication that suppresses her hormones, but it's also not my body. So it's really when it comes to patients in my practice, whatever they choose, it's my job to support them in that decision. Unless we find ourselves at a place where I'm like, your labs are showing you're at really high risk of a stroke. At that point, it's like non-negotiable. You got to stop that. I got another follow-up question, which said there's so many conflicting reports on whether being on birth control for years is detrimental to your reproductive health in the future. Does being on the pill for so long truly do something to your body in that sense? Yeah, this is this is an area where we need so much more research. And women, if you're listening, like it's only been in a handful of decades they started including us in uh, in, in trials. They've been just like studying men and then applying it to women. And then when they they study um, women with hormonal birth control, let's keep in mind who is this designed for? Young healthy females. Okay, we're talking young healthy females. Yeah, it is being prescribed for all kinds of conditions now. There is okay so there I wanted to I want to be really fair in this and say that you may have been put on hormonal birth control for PCOS but you didn't know it was PCOS or hypothyroidism I hate that one oh I had irregular periods my doctor ran no lab tests therefore they just gave me birth control pill and my hair fell out and I was fatigued and I gained all this weight and I had brain fog and they just said there was something wrong with me I should eat right and exercise the worst um and then there's also endometriosis um you know, it's estimated that 12% of infertility cases are due to endometriosis, and you're given the pill for painful, heavy periods. So these are three conditions that absolutely can lead to infertility in the future. So it may very well be that your doctor prescribed birth control, and you had conditions that were going to predispose you towards that, and they weren't addressed for as long as you were on birth control, because everything seemed like it was fixed. So I have to acknowledge that sometimes we have pre-existing conditions that were basically left to fester and then women come off and they find they're unable to have a baby. But on the other side of things, reproductive endocrinologists have been making observations that it, women do struggle with getting pregnant when they come off of birth control. Now, a couple things to that. One is if you are on hormonal birth control and you decide to come off and have a baby, it could take you a good year and a half before you start ovulating again regularly. So we have to keep that in mind is that a woman might be 38 and she comes off of hormonal birth control and she doesn't even get to ovulating until she's almost 40, which we know there can be some challenges in getting pregnant and maintaining a pregnancy as we advance in age. Now, another piece of this is that and we need some, I really want to see more research studies around this, is that 
women on hormonal birth control have a down regulation of the receptors to estrogen and progesterone within the endometrial lining. So the lining of your uterus, because this is why your periods get lighter and easier, shorter in duration while you're on hormonal birth control, because your uterine lining isn't getting the same stimulation. This is also why um, it's believed that hormonal birth control yeah, lowers the risk of endometrial cancer. However, when some women come off, it seems that their receptors don't just upregulate again. Some women do. I mean, we all know somebody who's like, I came off the pill and I got pregnant right away. But there's some women who do not. And if you do not get that stimulation to the endometrial lining, then you can get pregnant, but you can't stay pregnant, which results in a miscarriage, which I think is absolutely heartbreaking. And it's something where, like I said, it's reproductive endocrinologists who have been making this observation that they can do IVF with a woman, but implantation may not take because of the actual lining of the uterus. And this is something that they investigate and they check of like, how thick is that uterine lining? Because it has to be a certain thickness for that to be successful. So that's just a few of the things I go over in Beyond the Pill. You'll also read, there's an entire fertility chapter in which I discuss with you why you do not want to get pregnant within a six-month window of coming off of birth control, because it's not good for you and it's not good for baby either. Hmm, interesting. Um, I do have somebody who now kind of moving into post-pill issues, and, and this is kind of a follow-up to that, is how can you best prepare yourself physically and mentally to come off the pill? I've been on it for 10 years, and I want to call it quits. However, I don't want to be pregnant yet. Thank you, ladies, for your amazing podcast. Yeah, okay. So here's what I outline in Beyond the Pill is that number one, if you want to come off of birth control, you need a backup method because whether or not you want to get pregnant, you you don't want to get pregnant. Okay. So you got it. You got some work to do. So number one is you got to choose another contraceptive uh, and, and, you know, commit to that. And in chapter 13, of my book, I take you through all kinds of non-hormonal birth control options. Now, the other piece to this is that if you start a hormonal birth control for symptom management, let's say you have heavy periods, you have acne, you have irregular periods, know that those symptoms are likely going to come back as part of post-birth control syndrome. And so for those women, I recommend prepping their body for a good three months before they make that transition off. I've outlined protocols in my book to support you in doing that and then helping you transition off. If you're someone who is like, I, you know, if you're in that like 40 something percent category where you're like, no, I started hormonal birth control just to not get pregnant, then that's a situation where you're going to want to read the book and you're going to wrap your mind around, you know, what steps you're going to need to take as you transition off. And why I say this is because, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's just like it's something in the health world where it's like, you're going to be all in and do everything starting tomorrow. And I have like, I have very few patients that have ever been successful doing that. And instead, what I tell them is like, if we're going to change your diet, print out the dietary changes. You could go just write it up in a Word doc, print it out, put it on your fridge. And for the next two weeks, every time you open your fridge, glance at it, start wrapping your mind around what's going to change in that fridge, what's going to change about your eating habits, and then make that transition into it. Same thing can happen with the protocol and beyond the pill. So as much as like, you know, it's like starting this stuff, if you're on hormonal birth control right now, I mean, you need to get your prenatal or multivitamin going, you need to get some uh, gut bacterial support. So getting a good probiotic, eating in a specific way, you have to support liver detox. Like there are definitely these things that you need to start doing as soon as possible. 
Um, but in terms of like when you transition off, like if you're like, I don't want anyone to hear this and be like, I have to get off the pill tomorrow and then be in complete hormonal hell. Like take it, take your time in making that decision and wrapping your mind around what is that going to look like for you? And, you know, I would say you know, 10 years is a long time to be on birth control. I remember when I was first prescribed the pill, my doctor telling me at some point, one of my visits, um, that I basically had 10 years, like 10 years was the length of time that you can really do the pill before the risk um, of like cancers and everything starts to rise. When I came to 10 years, doctors were like, whatever, you can just stay on it indefinitely. And that never sat well with me. Uh, we are in a really interesting time in women's medicine in which we have seen women on the pill for decades at a time and being told it's safe, yet there's no study. And this always gets me about, you know, medicine that says you have to have evidence. Where's your study to believe a woman saying she has side effects with birth control? Like, I'm not going to believe it. There's no study. She's making this up. It's all in her head. And yet they will say things like it's fine for you to be on hormonal birth control for decades, but you don't have any evidence to say that. Just like we saw that um, doctors were saying, you know, the newer generation of hormonal birth control is lower in hormones. Therefore, the breast cancer risk is lower. Then a study came out and said, that was actually never right. You never had any evidence to have ever said that. And like, it's not any safer. It's actually the same risk. So it's, it's things like this. I kind of went on a tangent there, but I just want to say <laughs> that like, understand that even, you know, even though there are doctors out there saying, you know, show me a study, evidence-based medicine first, you know, recognize and understand. And I, I doctors that I mentor and I coach, and I say this to them all the time. They'll say, like, well, is there a study? And I'm like, you have the best data sitting across from you in your like office. Like, when did we forget that we learn from our patients? Our patients are the best teachers because they're not a cherry-picked population that's been, like, hand-selected and put through a funnel so that you get a statistically significant outcome. They're real people, like, having real-life experiences. Yeah, and I, I do love, too, what you said about making sure that your choice to get off birth control is not fear-based either. Don't just jump off the pill tomorrow because so many women are put on the pill for really hard, like hard symptoms, things that they're going through that is not fun and it's not fun to experience. And it is a, it is a detriment and or impacts their daily life, like heavy periods mm -hmm. and cramping and, and really bad acne and all of this stuff. And so you can really feel like you're in between a rock and a hard place saying, well, do well, I'm now I'm fearing staying on the pill, but mm -hmm. I'm also fearing getting off. And so it's like you just can't win. So what are some can you maybe touch on? I know you mentioned gut health and and liver processing um, and supporting those processes. But what are some of the things that you recommend people that you talk about in your book that you recommend people doing before they jump off the pill or as especially if they've been on the pill for symptoms that they're not you know, thrilled with and don't necessarily want to just jump right into again. What are some of those things that can help prepare their body as they get off the pill? Yeah. I mean, one thing is you got to poop every day. If you're not pooping every day, you can't get your estrogen out. So, um, and you know, uh, for women like with acne, I, I would say, you know, so often, so my practice, uh, when women have an outbreak, um, if it's not, if we're, we ask a bunch of questions, if it doesn't seem related to their menstrual cycle, I will ask them, well, did you have any constipation? Like, how have your bowel movements been? Oh, yeah, I was constipated three days before. Yeah, because you're you've got to get that waste out, and your skin is one way to do it. Now, I like to be super transparent. I think um, too much in the health uh, space, people are making 
outlandish promises that make women feel like they're doing something wrong or some, like something's wrong with them. And it's things like, oh, you can just reverse and heal all your hormones in a couple of weeks. And it's like, well, your menstrual cycle is more than a couple of weeks, like, right? The whole cycle is more than a couple of weeks. So that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, there's people that are like, oh, you can just do X, Y, and Z and you, your skin will be cured in six weeks or less. And it's like, well, actually, like the kind of law of healing that the body goes through is to heal the most vital organs first and the less vital organs are last. Nobody dies of acne. So you will read this in the book. And, um, you know, my editors were like, nobody's going to like that you're telling them that like acne is going to take, it's going to be like one of the last things to heal. Like people don't want to hear that. I'm like, but you know what? Like, it doesn't matter what we want to hear. Setting false expectations is a disservice. Like, I need to tell you the truth about these things. And so for some women, like, they're going to have to. And I, I will say this, too. And I hate to say this. Everybody listening, I hate to say this. But I almost feel like puberty is a necessary process because the younger a woman was started hormonal birth control, I've observed the worst, like the acne, the mood swings, that all the things that we associate with being a teenage girl comes back. And sometimes it comes back when you're 40 something and that's just lame and not fair. Um, Cause like no one's acne, like it's a full grown woman. Like what is that about? Nobody wants it ever. So um, with that, you know, making sure your gut is being taken care of. So hormonal birth control induces intestinal hyperpermeability. So leaky gut. Um, it also decimates the microbiome to a point it's been, it's been likened uh, and compared to antibiotics. So, but nobody stays on antibiotics for 10 years. So keep that one in mind. So you want to start replenishing your microbiome. I typically recommend using spore-based probiotics. And then as you'll read and be on the pill, I'm like, we need lots of different fibrous vegetables. So different fibers that you're bringing in so that, you know, one of the best things you can do is present your body with variety. Variety of food tells your body that the environment is safe. And it also, you know, we don't know enough about the microbiome. Okay. So like that's, uh, so when we like view it through the lens of like, we just started making these discoveries, like in the last few years, um, we just, what we need to go back to is, what would what would my ancestors have done? They would eat the tubers. They would eat the leafy greens. They would eat the fruit if they came across fruit. Um, as you can tell, I don't do dogma. I don't like dietary dogma or any of that. Um, so you've got to be taking care of your gut. You need to be eating cruciferous vegetables and foods that we know support liver detox. There is a chapter called uh, liver detox, or excuse me, no, it's no, my publishers were like, liver detox is not sexy enough. It's called birth control detox 101. I'm like, can't we just call this the liver chapter? And they're like, what is wrong with you? Like, that, you can't mark <laughs> liver chapter. I'm like, but that's what it is. Um, and I take you through like how to support getting the right estrogen metabolites and you know, uh, your liver, when you're on hormonal birth control, it changes at the genetic and structural level. So you need to be supporting your liver. And it's like the king of everything. Um, and then the other thing that you want to do is replenish your nutrient stores. And you cannot out diet hormonal birth control depletions. You just can't do it. So you're going to have to bring on a multivitamin and supplement of like a prenatal, something along those lines. Is that to say that you can just take a multivitamin and prenatal and call it good? No, if you won't do not have your diet and lifestyle business dialed in, then there's like a supplement's only going to take you so far. Like it's supplements or to supplement, you know, already established health practices. And so I really want to drive that home because 
in Beyond the Pill, I give you dietary guidelines to follow. I give you a supplement protocol and I give you lifestyle practices. And like, I don't want to see people just buying gobs and gobs of supplements if they're not willing to like eat some broccoli and make sure they move their body. Like, that's just like, what are we doing here? That's like crazy. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that you're going to want to start doing right away. And then eating foods that we know nourish the gut that are low, that lower inflammation, you have to take care of your metabolic health. So there's really like, you know, these five steps of what I've termed the Brighton protocol. And I've already gone through um, many of those. Um, and, you know, so much of this is very just foundational work that we that all humans thrive in doing. But like 10x because you're on a medication that's depleting things and is, is pretty rough on your body when you when you get into the research. I mean, when I first started getting in the research, there were days where I was like, what did I do to myself? And like <laughs> I had hate sessions where I was just like, you are so stupid and you like have like this science background and this health background and yet you never questioned this and you never looked into this and I was like you know every day is an opportunity to do better and so for everybody listening if you did the pill and you're hearing all this and you're like I did something dumb I've been there too and that is not going to serve you with where you're going like nobody has moved forward into the future by judging themselves and carrying the baggage of their past like today and tomorrow is always an opportunity to do better for yourself so let's talk about <laughs> people who have already come off because now you're 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 talking a lot about and raising awareness of post birth control syndrome syndrome so i have a question about what is post post birth control syndrome and what do symptoms look like when do they typically go away she says i went off the pill in april after 14 years mm. and around august my anxiety skyrocketed sleep was awful i've always been a good sleeper weight gain my motivation dwindled and my concentration went down and i've also had a long history of over exercising it seems now i've started getting better this month i've been following the four by four which is basically an anti-inflammatory diet from coconuts and kettles mm -hmm. and i'm feeling better overall, but was wondering how else I can support myself after so many years on birth control. So mm. what is what is post birth control syndrome? And how can we support ourselves through that? Yeah, so post birth control syndrome, as the way I've defined it in the on the pill, and through my clinical practice, is the constellation or the collection of signs and symptoms that arise about on average four to six months after stopping hormonal birth control. For some women, it can come on way sooner. For other women, it's very, very subtle. And then a couple years later, they're like, I can't handle this anymore. And that's when they go to their doctor, which makes it tricky for your doctor to recognize the correlation and the connection to hormonal birth control. Because in their mind, if something was going to happen, it was going to happen the day you came off. But our bodies are so good at adapting. And especially the female body is all about like, keep moving. Don't stop, like plow through. And we deal with a lot of symptoms. Like we just deal with a lot of symptoms. So, um, and you know, this is something where, uh, so there's that one piece. The other piece of why it's difficult to get your doctor to listen is because hormonal birth control impacts every single system in your body. But in most doctors' minds, hormonal birth control only, only affects the reproductive system. And if you recognize how conventional medicine is run, it's compartmentalization of all of your systems. So if you've got a lady parts problem or your estrogen, progesterone, or testosterone are off, you go to the gynecologist. But if it's your thyroid, then you're going to go to the endocrinologist. And if it's your gut, it's going to, you're going to go to your gastroenterologist. And at the end of the day, the number one person who does not care about how medicine wants to slice up the body is your body 
they don't care. And it's all connected in that way. So, you know, that's what post-birth control syndrome is. I outline protocols in my book. So everything I developed in my clinical practice, I put in my book. Um, I've had a few freak out times where I'm like, I put way too much in this book because I didn't hold anything back. And I'm like, I'm going to overwhelm women. But the, I believed women deserved access to all of this. And um, I also had faith that women are super freaking smart and uh, and they have not failed me in terms of like how many women are already, um, you know, posting on social media and being like, I'm cooking this and I already implemented this. And for the first time, I understand why X, Y, and Z is happening. And I'm like, dude, everybody's becoming their own health detective. And this is so badass to watch. So that's what post-birth control syndrome is. I think that was kind of a, a long, uh, you know, that was a bit that she wrote in there. Is there anything else you want to flesh out from that? Yeah, I think that one of the common concerns is that a lot of women, and this was another question from somebody, which was like, you know, I, I'm experiencing weight gain, and what is that, and why is that? Or I'm experiencing, like, randomness in my cycle. So in other words, I'm either not getting a cycle, or I am, my cycles are irregular, and I talked to my doctor about this, and of course the answer is, maybe you should just, maybe you're somebody who needs to be on birth control um, long term. And that somebody actually put that in their question. So what is it that we can do to get our periods back or to get back on track, so to speak? Um, And is that something that's common that women experience after coming off of birth control? I see this a lot. Like, I see it a lot. I went through it um, as well, where I lost my period. I come from uh, my mother's side is a big Hispanic family. I was the first to not get pregnant before age 20. Um, So when I lost my period, I was like, no, something's up here. Like, no. And my doctor's like, you have PCOS and you're infertile. And I'm like, no, there's nobody in my family with this issue. So it's actually, you know, it is quite common and we definitely need a lot more research. Um, and, And so just like, we can all stand back and appreciate hormonal birth control shuts down brain ovarian communication. So for as long as you were on it, you'd shut that whole system down. And it can take some time to reestablish that connection again for some women. Now, the other piece is that um, there's this brilliant researcher, Geraldine Pryor, who talks about the maturation process of the brain-ovarian connection in which it can take a good decade for women's brains and ovaries to get in sync and start running the show with, the, with regards to ovulation. But if we come in and we give hormonal birth control you know, a year, two years after she started her period, we disrupt that. I mean, the neurological system and the human brain hasn't even finished maturation until our mid-20s. This is also part of like, you know, why we see neurological issues like, you know, depression, anxiety, um, mood swings, and, you know, teens are at highest risk of suicide when they start hormonal birth control. Like, that's super concerning. So this is something that we see. Now, like I said before, you could have had an underlying issue and you start a hormonal birth control for that, but it may very well be, I mean, if you think about like, we need nutrients in order to ovulate. Um, we need our thyroid on point. There's a whole chapter on adrenal and thyroid health because hormonal birth control does mess with your thyroid and your adrenals. This was shocking to me when I was like, oh my God, um, you know, I came out with this uh, article, which was like, uh, man, I don't even know how many hours of research. It was a lot of weekends held up in my office of all of the ways that hormonal birth control impacts the thyroid, every single level, every single level from how your brain is communicating all the way to how your cells are actually using it. 
boom, mind blowing. And you know, the majority of patients in my practice have hypothyroidism. So I'm like, this is not an insignificant thing. Like we need to be discussing this, but if you are hypothyroid, you will find that you don't get a period. So that's one of the symptoms of hypothyroid is amenorrhea. And doctors will often be like, okay, just get back on hormonal birth control. But wait, that's not the root cause that will not address the thyroid condition. You were not born with a deficiency or a need for synthetic estrogen or progestin, not progesterone. That is not the same as what you make. And so this idea that like, oh, you just need to get back on it. I mean, that's that's a quick win for your doctor of like, you'll be having these withdrawal bleeds from a medication. They'll call it a period, but it's not really a period. Um, it's a quick win there. Uh, there's also this idea of like, okay, well, we need to protect your bone health. I would argue you can do that much better with bioidentical hormone replacement therapy applied topically. It has less of an impact on your liver, less of a risk of stroke, heart attack, uh, blood clots, and it's a much, much lower dose because you don't have to pass it through the liver. And you can do it in a way that's actually cyclical. Whereas like putting a woman back on the pill is shutting down her entire reproductive system again, rather than working with her body. And then of course, like we have to look at what else is going on in your life. Now, here's the rule. Like they really, like the tried and true rule, if you want to balance your hormones, ovulate regularly and have a healthy period, every single day, convey to your body the environment is safe every single day by how you talk to yourself. Yes, we can't leave that one out. How you eat. Are you getting enough calories? Are you getting enough fat? Um, yeah, sure. Like, you know, there are people out there saying, oh, if you eat cholesterol, you'll have a heart attack. And um, often, you know, in the media, they'll be like, well, this famous cardiologist is saying that, but Dr. Brighton, you say otherwise. And I'm like, yeah, because the dude is like treating like 60 something year old men who've already had a heart attack. I'm working with, you know, 20, 30, 40 something year old women who, if they don't have cholesterol, they don't build their hormones. They are at higher risk of having a heart attack because without that estrogen protection, we have higher risk of cardiovascular events. So there's the way you are feeding yourself. There's also your exercise and how you're moving your body. If you are over-exercising, over-training, you are sending the signal to your body that the environment is not safe because your body isn't evolved enough to understand that like you just did a spin class, then went to CrossFit, and then like your job is really stressful. Your body's like, we are running all the time because there are lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, like it is not evolved enough to understand why we're doing that. When you don't eat enough calories, your body says we're, we're having a famine. Like there's a famine happening. And what will your body do? It will shut down reproductive health. It will stop you from ovulating because getting pregnant in a famine is a bad idea. Getting pregnant when you're constantly running from lions and tigers is a really bad idea. Cause like try to, you, you've had a baby, try to run when you're like full term, like that doesn't work out. And uh, you know, I outline all of these things in beyond the pill of like, you can't like the way that you're sleeping also sends the signal is the environment safe. So that's what we want to be doing is we want to constantly be providing the information to our body that the environment is safe. When we are consistently doing that, your body is more likely to work with you in getting back to ovulating regularly and regulating your menstrual cycle. So it is a comprehensive thing, you know, is what is what I hear this resounding information, which you did. We had a couple of follow up questions, but you've perfectly answered it, which is you you have to 
tell your body, or your body has to know that it is safe, and that could be yes, physical inputs. So what you're doing and eating. But also mental and emotional inputs as well, and so、mm-hmm. all of that has to be factored into your cycle, your hormones, and even more so. You're saying it's even more important when we have the pill thrown into the picture to have taken care of symptoms, but now we're going to try to treat the root cause and come off of it. It's even more critical. It's kind of what I hear you saying to be on top of all of that and to really make sure that we're. In some cases, chilling, eating more, exercising less, being very intentional with our nutrition and our our making sure that we're eating enough fat and we're eating plenty of carbs and and making sure that we're taking care of ourselves、um, nutritionally as we intentionally and by choice take the pill out of the situation.、Mm-hmm. And you know the other thing that I will say is that there's like you know within Beyond the Pill I give you an entire hormone quiz because part of the Brighton Protocol is identifying your hormone imbalance. Like there's going to be one main troublemaker that you need to come in and be like, all right, you you just need some extra attention. It's like you know、um, <clears throat> I have a now six year old. He doesn't get enough attention. He's going to find a way to get my attention. Like that's that's what they do. And like your hormones are kind of the same.、Um, and so with that, you'll take this quiz. You'll be able to identify. What is up with estrogen? Is testosterone the issue? What's going on? Cortisol and thyroid, and really, you know, fine tune that. And then I waste no time. So the book's actually not designed to be read front to back. And like much to everybody in the publishing world's dismay, they're like, no, like we want to make sure that your reader reads it all the way through. Um, some women are doing that. I'll say they're posting on social media. And they're like, "I got this book and I didn't sleep last night, and I read it all the way through." And I'm like, "Did you get to the part about sleep?" Because that's <laughs> okay. But I'm also like, I'm so honored to have written a book that is being, you know, that is like something that women want to just consume everything. But you know, with that, I designed it so that if you once you get the results of the quiz, it's like. Go right to these pages. Read this chapter. Go right to these pages. This is your protocol, and it's because like when your hormones are out of balance, like when they are off the chain, you ain't got time to read a whole book. Like you need solutions right away, and so I've provided it in that way so that you can get in, get the solutions you need, start addressing that, and you're going to understand. I mean, the book is very much of like choose your own adventure because it is,、um, which is a very difficult thing to write. I will say that. <laughs> Um, but there is no like one size fits all cookie cutter approach for what's going on. And in Beyond the Pill, you know we do.、Uh, you, you are going to eliminate some foods. You're going to hear me say they are not bad. They are not bad foods. Same with coffee. You know, just today I was on a live and people were like, "Everybody says coffee's so bad for your hormones," and I'm like. Is it true for you? Like that's the question that we want to constantly answer. And by the way, I live in the Pacific Northwest, and coffee's liquid sunshine. So just shut up about the coffee. <laughs> no, I, I tease, but it's like all about like what is true for you, like what actually works for your body, and that's what I really set to do in this book. Is like let's start testing things and figuring out what's true for you, and understanding that. Your diet, your exercise, your lifestyle—it will not be static. There will be a point where you shift. I was a vegetarian for ten years. When it stopped working for me, I shifted. I actually started eating paleo. There's been times where I've been ketogenic. Like this is something that you know, lots of my patients, I guide them through doing as well. Is that like there is no one size fits all that lasts for life. Like you have to constantly be adapting. And what's the organism that survives? The adaptable organism. Thank you so much for all the information that you have dropped on this podcast. Besides running to Amazon or the store and getting 
uh, Beyond the Pill, where can we find you and follow all that you're doing? Yeah, my main hub is drbrighton.com, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N, a little bit tricky like that. That's where I post my articles. I put up all kinds of, there's all kinds of resources there. You can also hang out with me on Instagram. I love Instagram uh, more than other platforms. I'm at Dr. Jolene Brighton. Um, And then I have a YouTube channel where, because I know we don't all learn the same. And I write robust and beastly content on my my website where the articles are sometimes 3,000 plus words. So I also do videos. If you're someone who's like, I'm much more visual audio, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. We will link to all of those in the show notes so that you can get easy access to them. And anything we talked about, I will do my best to make sure that we link to it in the show notes. Go buy the book. Thank you so much, Dr. Brighton. It was so nice to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, for supporting this. I mean, with the media blackout, I need everybody's support more than ever. But, you know, the reality is there's a lot more of us than there are of these major news networks and they can't hold us down. They just cannot. Like they can keep trying to suppress women's information, but like that game is over. Totally agree. All right. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. You can follow me on Instagram and follow the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Be sure to buy our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells. You can find that at coconutsandkettlebells.com slash book. We will talk to you next week.